TVP's announcements. This is a series that we have on our network where we give you announcements about upcoming projects and platforms that are entering the crypto ecosystem. Now, this is a disclaimer because we do that now. So, here's the thing this is the presentation of a platform, and that's it. This is an investment advice. Don't take it as investment advice. If you like the platform, seek it out in the show notes. Go there, buy the things, invest in the platform. Help them out with your skill sets. But we're not giving you any recommendations or advice. This is just for you to listen to and soak up some new information about a new platform in this ecosystem. So, please enjoy. Hey everybody, we are back with another announcement. Uh, It's been a while since we had our last one. Um, but we're back in the flow and today we're joined with Gilbert from Horizon Communications and, um, you know, we're just going to jump into things like we usually do. So, so Gilbert, could you tell us, you know, about your background and your professional background as well? And then that moment when you met blockchain technology and you knew it was like, okay. I'm dropping everything I was doing before, and I'm going to go work on this stuff now. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I love the podcast. I listen regularly, and it's cool to be on on the show, to be honest. Uh, so I, I'm i 34. I've been in blockchain uh, for five or six years. Uh, before, I guess, we all joined cryptocurrency, I've been in IT since I was 16, maybe earlier. My father was a, a, a technician and server admin for a company called Data General which some people might remember back in the day, they were a big service provider, uh, a business to business. And I came up through the industry because of him and I started working on computers and I started fiddling around in my house. And when I was 16, I graduated from high school. I graduated from the Cisco Networking Academy and started doing small business stuff, consulting, helping people. You know, it was a cool way to make money. And I didn't have to go work all these side jobs that I didn't really like doing. And I, I was a, a, a busboy and I was working in a supermarket. And I'm like, oh, I can, I'm good at computers. Like People want to pay me for it. So I started working on computers and doing networking. At the same time, I was in not really related to cryptocurrency, but I think it helps me a lot uh, in the business world is I've been a firefighter, EMT, and now paramedic uh, for my career as well. So that was, a, I guess, my A job and B job. A job was working in IT and consulting, and B job was a firefighter paramedic. So uh, five or six years ago, I I don't remember how, uh, I stumbled across Bitcoin. And 
then I stumbled across uh, mining and I stumbled across uh, how I could, you know, build computers, which I obviously I was I was pretty good at and set up mining rigs inside of my house. And I started mining cryptocurrency. And that was really all I knew how to do uh, or I had interest in, I guess. You know, I would see, you know, other projects coming through cryptocurrency and I would watch them and read about them. But uh, really, for me, it was I could be involved on in the digital side of of the creation with a mining farm and you know i guess you know i didn't really get into the whole joke meme back then of holding on but i just thought hey you know if these coins are worth you know a dollar today what are they gonna be worth in 10 years right so i was i was just staying inside the industry in that point but as anybody who's run their own mining hardware quickly realizes uh your friends and family think you're crazy number one and number two the amount of heat and electricity bills and everything i was paying for was was astronomical so uh, it worked out long term, but at the time uh, it was it was you were kind of in the loony bin. <laughs> at the time, at the time, yeah, you at mean, the time. Uh, still today, still. yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So I'm reading a little bit about Horizon Communications, and it's interesting that just right at the top in the white paper in the executive summary, it mentions something that gets uh, bounced around in our Slack a lot of the time. And that is we expect to have this robust uh, DAP community or DAP locations, for lack of a better term, right? Just like an app store, but decentralized. And we expect to have all of this computation, all of this communication be done on the edges. Um, but what we're not realizing is that that puts a lot of strain on the current infrastructure. Um, the current Internet service providers, you know, could easily never allow for the data and the communications to go through at the speeds that we'll need because it's just a burden on them to maintain. So it seems like you guys right at the top say you're, you're losing LTE fixed wireless for, for last minute delivery to the end users. So is that kind of the problem that you're looking to fix with this particular? Um, so a few years ago, I moved to Bermuda, which my father's from, and uh, my grandparents are, are elderly. My grandfather has Alzheimer's and I wanted to just be there and help out. You know, I was living in America. I'm, I'm an American as well and Bermudian. And when I got there, the Internet was was really garbage. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it's a problem that's everywhere in the world. It's just I happened to be sitting in the middle of it when I was in Bermuda. And to be honest, the Internet where I was growing up as a kid, uh, I was kind of in the outskirts in the boondocks in upstate New York. And the Internet there was was garbage as well, of course. Right. It's you know, who's going to run really good coaxial or put in nodes in the middle of nowhere? And in Bermuda and in many islands, Central America, South America, and many places throughout the United States, there is that same problem. It's just not economical to run the the Internet service that you and I might find, you know, a basically a utility or should be uh, and provided in everywhere that we live in. It's just not the rea the economic realities just don't match what we would like to see. So Bermuda, for an example, and this is just our test market uh, where we want to launch. But, you know, you have telephone poles and you have wiring on the telephone poles and then you get, you know, corrosion issues because of the salt environment. And then somebody hits a telephone pole and the coax or the fiber optics now on the ground and it's broken, needs to be repaired. You get a hurricane. It, all that stuff is on the ground. It all gets damaged and blown off the poles. So when I got there, I said, how can we fix this? And I was already heavily into cryptocurrency at the time. And cryptocurrency was 
was a, a passion of mine, but I said, hey, if we can't get on the internet, <laughs> if people here are paying a lot of money to get on the internet, and the internet is not very good, it's not very fast, and I, I had this pain point when I was growing up in upstate New York as well, what could we do to fix it? And looking at all the technology out there, it was really a simple solution for me that we had to go wireless. And there's a lot of proprietary items out there in wireless, but there was an open source standard called LTE, which had gained mass adoption through a lot of the cell phone carriers, but really hadn't picked up yet in terms of an ISP aspect. Most ISPs out there, 99% of them are not using LTE uh, for their services. And I said, well, if we're going to get the internet better in Bermuda, and I already know that uh, laying down cable is not going to work. It didn't work where I grew up. It doesn't work here. Uh, what can we do? And I said, you know, I think there's a really strong solution there for LTE. So, you know, when I when I'm looking to, to get adoption of a cryptocurrency, I sit on the, the cryptocurrency board in Bermuda. It's a government task force, and they've asked me to join it to help push adoption in, in cryptocurrency. I said, look, if we can't get the internet fixed here, it doesn't really matter really what we want to do for cryptocurrency. People need to get connected. You know, sure, there's solutions and options for passing data through a simple SMS message, but that's not really a solution, uh, especially for these data-intensive services. You know, you want to get online, you want to trade cryptocurrency, you want to watch Netflix, you have YouTubes you want to watch, you want to send large files back and forth, you want to develop stuff in blockchain. Uh, all those things require internet. And I think that makes it a really simple solution for me uh, when we've looked at the wireless options out there to build a, a long range wireless system, you know, not just Bermuda, Bermuda is our launching point, Bermuda and BVI. But I think once we get off the ground, we integrate a lot of these solutions that we're finding coming up through blockchain. Uh, we have a really strong potential to be you know, maybe one day uh, a worldwide company. That's good. So I, I like that you you went out, you found a use case, you found a problem, you fixed it or at least are attempting to fix it. Can you? Can you outline for the audience, like, what exactly, if you had to define that problem in, like, less than 20 words, and then also expand on how Horizon Communications is looking to solve it better than anyone else that's trying to solve it right now? Well, simple. Internet service is relying on really aging copper cabling and fiber optic that's usually damaged. And we're going to build a long-range wireless network on top of it so people can get easy internet access at a better price that's more reliable. And then we're going to plug in uh, really useful utilities that are coming through blockchain. We have a few partners already who are building awesome software solutions. So at the simplest core, we want to be a better internet provider, a better cell phone provider, and utilize blockchain where it brings efficiencies to our company. Good deal. So – so what does the token do for the user? So, uh, you know, what's the user's story when it comes to interacting with your blockchain, what they do with the token? Is it, you know, something that they just hold to get access to something? Is the token, they use it for payments on your platform? Let's kind of outline what the user's story is. So we think the future, and I was listening to Kevin O'Leary today, actually. Uh, today is the 20th, and Kevin O'Leary March 20th. He, uh, he's famous for Shark Tank. Kevin is uh, launching a, a hotel that's using blockchain and a token for part of uh, the, the fundraise for the hotel and also for ownership stake into the company. And I honestly have 
been down this pathway for months now. I 100% believe that tokenization of companies is the future. So number one, it helps us fundraise. That's why I think it's it's a great mechanism. We could fundraise easily, faster, more efficiently. I don't have to mail out you know 50,000 pieces of, of information to people and I could do all that stuff with the blockchain. There's reduced efficiencies. So I think for the people who are buying our token, yes, they can buy our token and use it on our network. We're going to open up enterprise-level services that only they'll get access to other than enterprise clients. Uh, they'll get enterprise-level support, you know, top-tier support from us. They'll be able to pay for our services, of course. Uh, they'll be able to get access to our partner services through our token that we're partnering with Gladius and we're partnering with Bubbletone. Those are two companies where I think we can find a lot of value in. But I think the main core for the token buyer is – we want to pay a dividend and we can do that. We're regulated. We will be regulated in Bermuda. They're still working on regulations, but easily I make no bones about it. Uh, and I really take an issue with people who try to make a company and take people's money in and have no fiduciary responsibility. We're a security. I say that flat out. Now, I don't know how that's going to be legally uh, massaged when it comes to regulations. We've been talked about as being a debt issuance. We've been talked about as we are a non-voting share. But I want people to hold our token because they own a part of our company and we're going to pay them in dividends because I think that aligns our interest with the token buyers. You know, we want to make sure that we're doing best by our customers and best by people who believe in our project. So, you know, there's always the ways for integrating your your token into the company to pay for services and access stuff that they, normal people would not get access to. And that's all true. And that's one thing we're going to do. But I think the strongest thing I can say is I want our company to be absolutely aligned with the people who buy into our token good deal so just for you guys that that aren't up on the difference between security or, or utility token and i'm surprised because if you've been listening to our podcast this long <laughs> i'm sure you've heard it one time or two but a security it, it if it passes the howie rule right then it's a security and what that means is that a contract transaction or scheme whereby one person invests his or her money in a common enterprise led to expect profits solely from the efforts of a third party, right? So you make no qualms about that, right, Gilbert? You're like, this is the security all the way. When you're buying this token, you are basically saying that you trust us to manage this company that's managing this blockchain well enough to then give you profits in the tokens that you own. I, I think the, the security outline is a little more nuance than that. You're putting your faith in us and we have a responsibility to the token buyer to do right by them, right? We can't go buy Lambos with someone else's money. You know, we have to use that use that income to build a good company. And if you look at our team, you know, we're pulling people with decades of experience in finance, decades of experience in telecom and ISPs and cell phone providers. You know, I don't want to disparage other people's teams, but the 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 idea that you can start a company and not be responsible to the people who who give you that currency, no matter what currency it is, if it's fiat or Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything, uh, and you have no responsibility to them, I think, I mean, I would imagine it's not passing the smell test with the regulators anywhere across the board, but does it really pass the smell test with people either? Now, I know, you know, we don't want to be overly regulated. Nobody does, right? But to say that you're not responsible is a different conversation. There's a difference between being heavily regulated and not responsible. And I think some of the projects out there are just trying to not be responsible for what they do with, with other people's money and not hold themselves accountable to their plan and their white paper and their rollout. 
But we are really seeing, I think, a, a big shift, if I could be a little philosophical, a big shift in how companies raise capital uh, and how they go about that capital raise and what they're able to do now. And we can do stuff in blockchain that was impossible before. If, if we were to go through a traditional IPO, I would have to mail out 50,000 or 100,000 pieces of documents to people. You know how much that costs? Just doing that all by itself. Now I can do all stuff electronically through blockchain. That is uh, an advancement inside of a company that didn't have a few years ago. It's it's amazing you mentioned that. Like we we're just getting started on what blockchain technology is going to allow. And I like to what I like to think about is that somewhere out there there's a Mark Zuckerberg who's sitting in like a fifth grade computer class right now and two years from now he's going to learn about blockchain technology and he's going to make some company that is going to do something that is totally going to revolutionize the way we communicate value over the internet so well you know for us the, the very simple scenario is if we take in cryptocurrency as a payment method the issue with bitcoin more recently aside you know, you, we, we can accept payments for a fraction of the cost that we would pay Visa or NASCAR Discovery, and it clears almost instantly. And I'm not waiting for them, the, the intermediary third party, to, to eventually pay me. Um, and I, I'm sure everyone who's, who's been in technology for a while, have been on eBay or PayPal, has had some kind of issue with PayPal, right? We've all had that, right? Those issues are gone. Now, I'm not saying that gives us unlimited access to, to hurt somebody, but at least on a, a fair exchange of goods for payment, you know, as an ISP, we have to pay our bills too. And I can say 5% instantly by just accepting cryptocurrency. So what we've done, for example, to your previous point of, of how we utilize cryptocurrency in, in blockchain in a company, we're going to give a, a pretty significant discount. We're talking about 10% of a discount if they pay in crypto, because I say 5% automatically on Visa MasterCard, as I just said, but also, we know that cryptocurrency is most likely going to going to appreciate. Now, who knows what one's going to be better? So we're going to try to take the top five or ten that are easier for us to integrate, and let people pay with those, and then let them decide, you know, which way they want to pay it and how they want to pay. I don't want to really limit people's options too much. Uh, of course, we have to keep things in kind of a, a wagon and not, you know, accept every cryptocurrency under the sun because I think that would be really hard to integrate. But we can do the top five easily. Definitely. Definitely. I'd like to take this a curveball. I don't think I've ever asked this question to any of my guests before. So so you're uh you're a, a beta tester. Oh great. Uh and that you, is it's our internet too. You have to move to the Caribbean for a while though. <laughs> we recently um we recently did a survey and most of the public at leans a high priority on the team and the experience of the team. And so I'd like for you to outline a highlight, like just for you to shout out someone from your team and what they do and how they do it that kind of helps you guys stand out in the fray. Because if people, if the public care about who the team is and what they've done in the past and how they're working on the project now, I'd like to give you the opportunity to highlight. So uh, I have two really uh, I'm very appreciative team members who have been helping us this entire time. Uh, and really believe in what we're doing. So uh, Elizabeth Schaefer is our COO, Chief Operating Officer. She has spent, she, first of all, she was an entrepreneur herself 
back when she owned a furniture company, and then she spent 15 years uh, in the cell phone industry as customer service manager and billing. So she intimately knows the problems that people go through when they're working with an ISP, when they're getting services from an ISP and a cell phone provider. What a great pickup for us, to be honest. We get someone who has that level of experience deep inside of a, a large carrier. Ross Barkwell. Uh, Ross is, is slated to come on to our company as VP of Business Development. Ross has built, he's built these companies for the older technology, of course, in Central America, South America, the Caribbean, Canada, top level people that we've attracted to our company. And I think it's because we've, we're not cutting edge in terms of you're an ISP, you're making a cell phone carrier, you know, what's so special about that? I think it's we've said here's the paradigm of how people do it now. Throw it out. We're going to be completely wireless. We're going to accept cryptocurrency. We're going to provide people options they didn't have before. And I don't even think there's many uh, ISPs out there right now accepting cryptocurrency, which would be very easy for them to do. Never mind saying, you know, the 510 million miles of copper cabling you have, just throw it in the garbage. Let's start from square one. Let's build a wireless network. The technology exists. The capability exists. And we've been able to attract really, really good people to a startup, uh, which I think tells me that we have really have caught maybe lightning in a bottle. Good deal. You fielded that question well, my good man. It's <laughs> the first time I've asked that question. If I can't carry my own, you know, I've always told people if I can't explain it and carry my own water, I don't have any business being in this industry. Absolutely. That's very true. Um, and it can be tough, though, because it's such a visionary industry, and being a visionary within a visionary industry puts you in even a smaller category. Um, and make no qualms about it. In order to be a CEO, an executive, chief executive on any front, you have to be a visionary. There's, there's no way around that. Well, you got to wake up in the morning and be okay uh, working for free for, <laughs> for years. I mean, we've been working on this. this we're entering two years. That we've yeah. been building a team, getting the technology together. Well, I proofed a half a dozen systems of wireless technology out there. Uh, you know, it, it, you just don't wake up one morning and go, oh, I'm going to launch a company. I mean, you do. And then two years later, you finally get it off the ground. I mean, that's just how, how the world works, right? Yeah, that's very true. And that's, let that be a, let's, let's just let that be a warning to the audience. Last year, we experienced a, a meteoric rise and the funding going through ICOs and realize that it's kind of opposite of the way things worked in the past where a company builds up as a company and then asks for money. What was happening last year is people were asking for money in the promise of building a company. And I'm glad we'll that. Uh, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, no. What is a receivables account? Like, <laughs> Never like heard that. Huh? Never heard of that in their lives. <laughs> so, so now the flow is changing, audience, and I hope that you like it and that people are realizing, oh, wait, I have to build something first and I have to have a company and then I can express the need for funding from the crowd. So that's off to you. Um, you know, it's easy for us to do because if you're using your cell phone in any major city, uh, London, New York City, Miami, Los Angeles, and pick a pick a major city with 100,000 plus people. You're using the same exact technology that we're going to be using for our network. Is that we're going to allow people at home to use 
our technology as well. We're we're really what we're doing is not really um, is not really super inventive. We're just you know is is cryptocurrency at its core super inventive? It's an exchange of value through cryptography. When you explain it like that, you go, oh yeah, you know what? That's not that's not crazy. But when when you try to take that and explain it to other people and bring it worldwide, they go, I don't understand what fake internet money is. You know, you still have those conversations. <laughs> Hello. I yeah, sorry. I, I thought I lost right. you for a second, but it is it is funny that people still a decade afterwards are like, I don't understand how fake internet money works. It's like, oh right. boy. Yeah, I know. We have a long way to go. We do. So it, we're we're still on the early early cusp, I guess. Do you have any descriptives of the ICO that you'd like to let loose for the audience listening? Um, and and um, yeah, just like how many tokens? Uh, when is the pre-sale or public sale going on? Uh, how's it structured? Uh, you know, details that they need to know if they do want to participate in the token issuance. Yeah, sure. So the token, uh, 100 million tokens, uh, we're selling 70 million of the 100 million. Uh, we're reserving 26 for the team and the company, and we're giving 1% away to charity. Uh, I think that it's important for us to uh, help the local communities we're going to be building into and you know, provide a little bit of a give back. It's not a ton of money, but it's, a, it's enough to help, you know, where I think, in some key locations. Uh, the, the public pre-sale was going to kick off this week. We're a little bit behind, so we're in the week of March 19th. We're a little bit behind just finishing up some technical details. Uh, if anybody has built websites and backend registration and coded in in PHP, you know it's just not easy. And then you have to integrate, you know, our KYC solution. And there's just technical debt we're just getting through. So we're probably going to launch a week after now, uh, the the final week in March, maybe early April at the latest for the public presale. We are expecting that to last at most a month. Uh, we might take a little bit of a breather and then go into the full ICO uh, soon afterwards. So you know, call it May-ish, we'll be launching the full ICO. But if you're listening to this podcast now, you're, there's a very good chance that we're entering our public pre-sale right around this time when this comes out. Good deal. So I, I guess the last question we have for you is that uh, it's a question I love to ask. It's, I think it's commandeered to a lot of uh, our audience members. And that is, uh, is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? You're an expert interviewer, so <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you missed anything, to be honest. I didn't miss anything. Okay. How's the weather in Bermuda? Uh, it's good. We had a little bit of a cold spell. Listen, I'm a New Yorker, so I don't want to complain about 50 or 60 degree weather, but when you're on a scooter, uh, 50 degree weather with a little bit of rain is quite cold. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to complain because I know most of the U.S. and Canada and and most of the world is going through a little bit of a cold spell right now. Europe, I have friends over in. Uh, in Europe, and it's been freeze. I mean, it snowed in London. I mean, come on, that's fairly abnormal. Um, but uh, weather's good. I can't complain. Nice. Well, um, Gilbert, thank you for swinging by uh, TBP's announcements, and good luck on your endeavors, and congratulations on meeting some milestones because I know those feel good, and it feels good to finally be able to present this to the public. So, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.